Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I want to talk to you tonight about one of the most misunderstood verses in the Bible, along with many other misunderstood verses in the Bible. But we're going to pick on one of them tonight. And before we get there, though, I want you to turn over to Luke chapter 12. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Jesus is speaking here. He says, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I always like to look at that verse anytime I think that I'm really something. And I remember I'm just a little flock. <laughs> it says, the father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Glory to God. It's, God's, it's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom, another translation says. It gives God pleasure to give us the kingdom. Hallelujah. Not a piece of the kingdom, a part of the kingdom, but all of the kingdom. Hallelujah. Look at that in the Passion Translation, Luke 12, 32, in the Passion Translation. It says, so don't ever be afraid, dearest friends. Your loving Father joyously gives you his kingdom with all its promises. Not some of the promises, but all of its promises. And in case you didn't know this, the promises go beyond healing and money. Healing and prosperity goes beyond that. There's a whole lot more to the kingdom than just healing and prosperity. He's given us all of his promises. Hallelujah. It says your loving father joyously gives you his kingdom with all of its promises. I think one translation says that he's allowed us to enter into the realm of the kingdom. You know, his kingdom is a realm. Isn't that right? And in that realm called the kingdom, there is all the promises that are in the kingdom. Well, if God has chosen gladly to give us the kingdom, he's allowed us to step into that realm of the kingdom, then why can't we just seem to pick it up? Why can't we just use what he's given to us? And why can't we just take it to ourselves? Well, it's very simple. There's an enemy. There's an enemy that wants to obstruct and an enemy that wants to resist. God's given it to you, but there's an enemy that stands between you and that promise and wants to tell you you can't have it. And then he wants to obstruct you and make it difficult for you to take hold of it. Because Satan's not just going to hand it over. I don't know if you know that. He's not going to hand it over. Amen. And I know we have authority. We have, the, we have the name of Jesus. We have all of that. But all you have to do is really use it in faith and it would work. <laughs> and that's what we grow in, isn't it? We grow in the revelation of the name of Jesus. You know that song, I Speak Jesus, wonderful, wonderful song. But what is it behind the name of Jesus when you say it? See, what, what, what is there behind, what force is there behind the name of Jesus coming out from you when you speak the name Jesus? There has to be revelation of what is involved in that name. Isn't that right? You know, just think about anybody in the room and you think about their name and in their name is everything you know about them. And then you find out something. Go, well, I didn't know that about them. But now you do. So now when you hear that name, you know something else about them. Well, it's the same thing with the Lord. How much do you know about him? We know that he's our savior. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Our eternity is set. But what about here? How do we know him here? Isn't that right? Amen. So the enemy just wants to resist and obstruct. And it's not a matter of Satan being stronger than God. You know, God's given it. Satan wants to resist it. But it doesn't mean Satan is stronger than God, that he's able to stop what God wants him to do. It's a matter of him being stronger than our faith. Is he stronger than our faith? That's what it's all a matter of. Mm -hmm. Isn't that right? Yes. Amen. Father has given. It's already done. Yeah. It's already been given. He's given us the realm of his kingdom with all of his promises. When you got born again, as a born again believer, we entered into that realm. 
we became a brand new creature spiritually. Isn't that right? And we have access to that kingdom where all the promises reside. That's why Ephesians 1.3 tells us that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. It's in the kingdom realm. And he's given it all to us. Well, who else lives in that realm of the spirit? Satan lives in the realm of the spirit also. Isn't that right? He lives in his kingdom in the realm of the spirit. And he wants to stop the promises of God's kingdom from getting to you. He wants to oppose. He wants to resist. He'll lie to you, do anything he can to keep you out of the promises. And that's what the fight of faith is all about, taking hold of what's already been given to us. Amen. And in any fight, like any fight, there's only one that can be victorious. And you, we have to choose whether it's going to be me or it's going to be the enemy. Amen. So now go to Matthew 11, 12. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. Matthew 11, verse 12. It says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and violent men take it by force. All right. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. People trying to force their way into the kingdom, but they can't. You know, you ask people, what does it take to get into the kingdom? They'll say, oh, you got to keep the golden rule. As long as you're good to people and don't do any wrong to people, you know, or whatever they come up with. As long as you give enough money. Uh, you know, people come up with all kinds of, you light enough candles, whatever they come up with. They come up with all kinds of stuff of what it takes to get into heaven. You go to church every Sunday, you'll be good. Well, people are trying to force their way into the kingdom but they can't get in. There's only one way to enter into the kingdom. Right. Isn't that right? right? Man has his rules of what he thinks it takes to enter. And he'll work hard at it. But no matter how hard he works, he won't be able to. So the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence of people trying to force their way in. But the violent take it by force. He's switching narratives. He's not talking about the same thing. First, he's talking about the kingdom that suffers violence, but then he's talking about violent men that take it by force, okay? You have to pay attention. Men try to take the kingdom by violence. The word violence, it suffers violence, is a verb. It means to forcibly take the kingdom, but it's impossible. It's impossible. But violent men, now the word violent becomes an adjective and is describing men, violent men. Okay, take it by force. Now, let me ask you this question. If you cannot take the kingdom forcibly, then how do violent men take the kingdom? You can't. Violent, see, if you think about this as all one narrative, it's an impossibility. What he just said is totally contradicts himself. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and violent men take it by force. But you can't take it. No matter how forcibly you try, you can't take it. So that can't be the same thing. So first he's talking about people that are violently trying to take over or enter into the kingdom which they can't, but then violent men do take it by force, and he's talking about something different. For instance, people might run after a prize and try to grab it, but then in a race there is a runner, and that runner can finish the race and receive the prize. People run, it's a verb to try to grab it, but they can't, but the runner, the adjective, the runner in the race can finish the race and receive the prize. Do you understand? One's a verb, one's an adjective. Okay, we've all been through English classes. And I failed English miserably, and if I understand this, you all are in good shape. So, the violent men, violent, it also means eager. Eager. Violent. The kingdom is forcibly advancing and forceful men take hold of it. Let me ask you this. When Jesus walked on the earth, 
Was he advancing the kingdom? Was he doing it in a nice way? Not when it came to the devil, he didn't. He cast that sucker out. He told that thing, get out here, don't come back, don't even talk to people, get out of this guy, move it, get out of that dead person. I mean, he's casting the devil out all the time. He's taking ground forcibly. He's not waiting until the devil just backs down. He's forcibly taking the ground. That's good. Here we go. So he's forcibly moving the kingdom ahead, and forceful men will take hold of the kingdom. This is why we say the gospel is a strong man's gospel. The kingdom is sought after with fervent zeal in spite of violent opposition. You have opposition. God's given you the kingdom realm with all of its promises, but there is violent opposition to it. But violent men will take it. Violent men are not going to sit down and wait for it to happen. They're taking it. Look at the Amplified Bible of that verse, Matthew eleven twelve. I get excited because I'm speaking Jesus. It says, from the days of John the Baptist until the present time, the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault and violent men seize it by force as a precious prize. A share in the heavenly kingdom is sought with most ardent zeal and intense exertion. So if he's talking about entering into the kingdom, that's an impossibility no matter how forceful you are. He's not talking about entering in. He's talking about taking hold of what's been given to you. Hallelujah. It's a precious pride. He's given. It's the father's great pleasure and desire to give you the kingdom realm and all of its promises. It is a precious prize that he has given to us. And we seek after it with ardent zeal and intense exertion. We'll wear ourselves out with getting after this stuff. A precious prize. You know, it reminds me of the account of the man that had a pearl of great prize. And he went and sold everything just to get that prize. Well, how precious are the things of God to you? And will you sell anything? To get it. What is it you're unwilling to give up to get? Are you with me? The kingdom is the precious prize. There is nothing on this earth that is a precious prize. The kingdom is the precious prize. And I seek after it with ardent zeal and intense exertion, and I'll give up anything to get that precious pearl. Vincent's word study says that Christ is speaking here in this part to believers, that they seize upon the kingdom and make it their own. And they do it violently because they, they, they assail the kingdom of darkness. They're not sitting back and just, I'm waiting for it to happen. That's not intense. That's not forcibly. That's not a strong man's gospel. You take it. Well, I know I try to take it, but I don't feel it. What has feeling got to do with it? I thought we lived by faith and not by sight. Make up your mind. Which way do you live? You can't have it both ways. Make a, make a choice. Choose ye this day. Look at the Passion Translation. Because I'm passionate. Matthew eleven twelve in the Passion Translation. From the moment John stepped onto the scene until now, the realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth, and passionate people have taken hold of its power. Hallelujah. Passionate people take hold. Those that are not passionate, they just sit and wait. Hoping th- something will change. Hoping things will turn around. Well, I'm believing God. Well, I'm believing God. It's going to happen. He's already given it to you. Yeah. You're waiting for what? What are you waiting for? He's already given it to you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You're waiting for something he's already done. Yeah. 
Passionate people take hold of it. It's standing against that which would be in opposition. And it's not a flesh thing. It's spiritual. It's a spiritual function. Today's Sunday. Well, isn't most Sunday football? Are there football games on Sunday? I don't know. I don't watch that stuff. You know, I was over at my daughter's house uh, Friday for Thanksgiving dinner, and all the people are talking sports. I mean, they're hollering and screaming over what's happening on the TV screen. I looked at the person I was sitting next to. I said, you know, no matter what those people do on those games, he's never done nothing for me. They've never done nothing for me. Have they ever done anything for you? He said, no, they never have. Well, I said, well, they don't come to your house. They don't do nothing for you. What are we screaming about? I said, the only time they'll do something for you is if you win the bets. <laughs> well, every day is game day when it comes to faith. Faith shows up for game day. Faith don't just sit in the living room as a living room critic. You know what the living room critic is. I don't know why I didn't throw the pass. I don't know why they did that play. They shouldn't have run that. Why they didn't make the first down. I would have done. You ain't playing. We don't care what you would have done. It's only you're a legend in your own mind. And that's what believers are. When they sit on the couch and say all this other stuff, but they don't do. Well, I walk by faith, not by sight. I mean, I'm saying all this stuff, but I'm, not, I'm, walking by, I'm walking by sight, not by faith. But I declare it. I walk by faith and not by sight. But you're walking by sight, not by faith. That's a living room critic. Faith is on the field. Faith comes to practice. Faith attends the strategic planning meetings. Faith studies the enemy. This is what they do with football. If they can do it with football, dear God, I think we ought to be able to do it in the kingdom. They do that for a pig skin. How about doing it for somebody that saved your skin? That's what coming to church is all about. Strategic planning meetings against the enemy. Study the enemy. Find out what the enemy's like. Learning about your weapons so that you could stand up. I've never known a person that said, I don't feel good enough to go to the doctor. Anybody? I don't feel good enough to go to the doctor. I'm going to wait till I feel better till I go to the doctor. But yet people do this about church all the time. And there's the corporate anointing. The corporate anointing of the Holy Ghost. But we're afraid to come step into it. Don't get me started. I can hear it. Daniel 11, 32. Daniel 11, 32. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It is there. Daniel eleven thirty two. Is it not there? Do I have the wrong verse? Maybe I have the wrong verse. Anyway, what it says is the people who know their God will display strength and take action. The people who know their God will display strength and take action. Okay? Let me see here. Yep, Daniel 11.32. Computer must have froze up. The people who know their God will display strength and take action. Thank you. All right? The people that know God, not just know about God, not just heard about God, not just heard a couple of things in church, but people that know their God, they will display strength and they will take action. It's a strong man's gospel. They know that God's on their side. They know that God will fight with them. They know that heaven stands behind them. God has made the way for us 
All we have to do is walk in it against the resistance of hell, the lies of the devil, and fear that is resident in the flesh. Now, if you understand that the devil lies, if you know that hell resists, and you know that there's fear in your flesh, you're ahead of the game because you know what to stand against. Amen. The people who know their God, they will display strength and take action. They're not going to fall for the lies of the devil. They're not going to sit down when hell comes to resist. They're not going to let the fear rise up in their flesh because we don't know what's going to. Well, what if this don't work? See, you don't know your God. The people that know their God will display strength and they will take action. Amen. Amen. Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45, verses 2 and 3. He says, I will go before you. He's talking actually to uh, uh, King Cyrus here. I will go before you and make the rough places smooth. I will shatter the doors of bronze and cut through their iron bars. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden wealth of secret places so that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who calls you by your name. Now, we read something like that and we think we're going to go to the mailbox and there it is. All the hidden treasures of darkness in my mailbox. Or it came by UPS. Glory to God. It just showed up. But yet that same wording is used when God says to the children of Israel, I've given you the land. But they had to go in and possess it. I've given you the treasures of darkness. I've given you the hidden wealth of secret places. Well, who's going to go get it? Faith is in your life for one reason. God has given you faith for one reason, and that is so that you win. To take from Satan what Father has given to us. He's given us the treasures of darkness. Do you think, listen, they're the treasures of what? Darkness. Do you think darkness is just going to go, okay, here you go, it's yours. See, but people that are not violent think that. It's just going to come to me. As the deadline looms and natural hope runs out, faith is on the stage. And what will our performance be? There are so many things you face almost every day in life that faith is on the stage. Every time you make a choice, every time you make a decision, what will it be based on? Well, it's only going to be based on the word if you know what the word says in that situation. If you have revelation from God in that situation. You know, back when... uh, and I've told you this before, when I got that job in the mechanic shop, and it, the, it was, the shop was faced in the wrong direction, so we never got a breeze coming in there, and it was just hot as could be in that shop. I started working there in, in uh, September or October, so it wasn't bad. I was like, oh, I, but then summer came. Dear Lord, it was hot. And then you had to work outside, and it was hot. And then you had to work with the hot engines outside in the sun, and it was really hot. And, you know, I made the mistake of bringing a thermometer out there. I'm like, oh, let me see just how hot it really is. Oh, it was hot. And I asked the Lord. I said, so, Lord, you know, I said, I need a word from you about this. And what, I, what came up was, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Well, that is true. There's truth to that. But the problem was it was in my head. And I said, Lord, yeah, I said, I, I, I know that verse. I said, but I need something from you, and I need something fresh. And the Lord said, you're recreated, you're a new creature, and your inner man is being renewed day by day. The outer man is decaying. And if you live by the inner man, you won't feel the effects of the outer man. I said, well, there's something that I can live with. I said, I received that. And I worked in that shop, I think, for four years. 
and made it through. <laughs> See, but it was a decision, but it's based on what the Word said. Got revelation from the Word of God. This is what the Word says. This is revelation. This is what we stand on. Did it get cool? No. Did the sun stop shining? No. Did the thermometer needle drop? No. But what happened was I was no longer living by the effects of the outer man. I was living by the inner man. Amen. Faith is on the stage. What will our performance be? And I won't say that every performance I've had is a hit. (laughs) 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 Growth in our life don't just happen. You know, every day that we're alive on this earth, we have an opportunity to grow. Because once you leave this earth, your opportunity to grow is done. But while we're on this earth, we always have an opportunity for growth. But growth don't just happen. If we're going to grow and we're going to go further in the things of God, we have to press in to the next level. And you won't press into the next level being totally comfortable with where you're at. The woman with the issue of blood, Bartimaeus, Jairus that we talked about this morning, they all had to press in, didn't they? The Syrophoenician woman had to press in beyond being called a dog by Jesus himself. The Shunammite woman had to press in to the seed that she sowed to Elisha when her son died, which was the promise that was given to her. Daniel had to press in for 21 days for the answer to come. He had to press in to believe God that the lions are not going to eat him for dinner when he was in the lion's den. Joshua, on the side of the mountain, had to press in and stay there, not knowing how long it was going to be that he was there. Day and night, day and night, he had to stay on the side of that mountain. So when you hear things, here's an important question. When you hear things, do you hear things from where you are? Or do you hear things from where you need to go? Where do you hear things from? Am I hearing things from where I'm at right now? For instance, I could talk to you tonight about healing, and you're feeling fine. So based on where I'm at, I, I know this. But what about where you need to go with it? So are you in perfect health right now? Probably not. Feeling good, maybe, but perfect health? Probably not. This is probably stuff you don't even know about. Because we live in imperfect bodies. So where do you need to go with what you hear about health? Well, if all you're doing is hearing it from where you're at, you're not pressing in to go anyplace. And it doesn't take any violence to deal with where you're at. You're already there. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to go further, you're going to have to forcibly take it. So you need to hear the word from where you need to go, not where you're at. Are you with me? It's all about pressing in, pressing on further with God. It's not about sitting and hearing the word going, yeah, 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 I know that. I know that. Oh, yeah, I got that down in my life. Oh, that's good in my life. But tomorrow's coming. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amen. Don't shout me down. See, this is all about the wrestle. We talked a little bit about the wrestle this morning. This is all about the wrestle. We wrestle with fear. We wrestle with our flesh. We wrestle with the lies of the devil. We wrestle with our own inabilities. We wrestle against the devil, against the flesh, but we wrestle with the power of God. You're not wrestling on your own. You're wrestling with the power of God. Well, God's not going to do it for you. He's doing it with you. Amen. Amen. You know, what does it say in Ephesians 3.20? Well, let's look at it. Ephesians 3.20. It says, now to him who is able, say God is able, able. to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. Or if there was a period there, glory to God, we'd be good. But he's able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the word kata in the Greek, an intensive word that means controlled, conquered, and dominated by the power that works within me. Not the power that resides in me, but the power that works in me. 
He can do it all, but he can only do it based on what's working in me. Because he does things with me, not for me. So how much is working in us? Not in our thinking, not what I've memorized, not what I've got in my, my list of scriptures that I go through every day. What's working in me? What's in my heart, what's in my mouth, in my choices, in my decisions, despite resistance, despite op uh, opposition, what is in me working? If opposition's stopping me, it's not working. If resistance is holding me back, it's not working. But if I see opposition and go, I'm not taking that opposition, I'm moving forward, God's moving forward with you. Right. And God will work with you. Amen. Amen. Does that make sense to you? Yes. See, this is the rest. And this is why we say the, the fight is a fixed fight, but you got to get in the ring. You can't sit on the sidelines and think you're going to win. The violent men will take it by force. Amen. They'll take the treasures of darkness away from darkness by force. Yes. Now, why is it that many times we don't wrestle with these things? One of the biggest reasons is because we're under the illusion that we know it. Oh, I know that. I know that. That's an illusion. Why is it an illusion? Because results are not present. They may not be in the near future. If all you think is knowing it, I've memorized it, got it in my head. Some people stop pressing in because they took on a mental position of knowledge. In other words, maybe healing used to be a revelation and you were moving forward with it, but now it's just become a mental assent, mental agreement, and there's no more power to it because it's not living faith anymore. That's good. So the question would be, although I may still know what the word says, am I still doing it out of my heart? Is the word of faith still in my mouth? Joshua wrestled with the direction that was given to him to wait on the side of the mountain. He went up the mountain with, with Moses, and Joshua had to wait on the side of the mountain, and Moses goes up the mountain and disappears into the cloud of glory. He hears all of the festivities going on down in the camp, but he's not in the camp. He sees Moses in the cloud of glory with God, but he's not in the cloud. He's on the side of the mountain all by himself. Moses said, you wait here and I'll come back. How long, Moses? Yeah, I don't know. Now, we read it and we think, oh, yeah, we could do that. But you didn't know. You have no idea how long you're going to be on the side of the mountain. And I'm going to just suppose here that being on the side of the mountain was not where Joshua wanted to be. I would suppose he'd either want to be in the glory or be in the camp, but not on the side of the mountain all by himself. So why was he there? Because he was directed to. So do we allow the Holy Spirit to direct us and then wrestle with the opposition? Ooh. Do I allow the Holy Spirit to direct me and then wrestle with the opposition that's trying to stop me from doing what the Lord's directed me to do? Or do I only wrestle about what I want if I even wrestle with those things? I've known people through the years. I mean, this is going on uh, 42 years now in the pulpit. And I've known people through the years that, bless God, they will not let no vacation be stolen from them. Bless God, I'm taking that vacation no matter what. Or, then, well, nope, nope, that, that new car, I'm going to get that new car no matter what. Don't tell me that there's an issue or a problem. I'm getting that new car, and I'm not going to let anything stand in my way. Now, if you had a new car or a vacation, that's no hit on you. It's just things I've seen through the year. Well, what about the things of God? Yeah. When it comes to the things of God, nada. No wrestle. Not determined to not let anything be stolen. Well, if it happens, it happens. Yeah. What will be, will be. Que sera, sera. Is that Peggy Lee? Doris Day. Yeah, it should have been Doris Ditz. Yeah, that's a, that is a ditzy doctrine. 
Okay? Do you understand what I'm saying? When it comes to the things that we want, bless God, we're not going to let anybody steal it from us. But what about the things God wants you to do? Yeah. Well, I want to, but you know, it just doesn't seem to work into my schedule. Well, I'd like to do that, but you know, I've got other stuff planned. Would you ever consider canceling your plans to do what you think God wants you to do? We should. Are we wrestling or are we just waiting? Are we taking hold of living in the promises or are we just living under the pressures? Are we possessing the kingdom that's been given to us? The prudent sees the evil, the pressures, and they prepare and they protect. They prepare. I see the pressure's coming. I prepare for it. But the naive says, that's ah, not really there. And they don't prepare. And they pay the penalty. Strength and spirit needs to be in our life. And it can't get in our life unless it crosses the bridge of our soul. And that soul needs to be restored and needs to be renewed. And if it's not, and when it's not, and when we stop doing it, carnality is the result. Any place our mind is not renewed, our soul is not restored, we are walking in carnality. The big C word is the big killer, you know. Not cancer. It's carnality. Carnality. Amen. There's cures for cancer. There's only choices for carnality. Mark chapter 16. Everybody good? I need a drink. Do I have any water here? Oh, there it is. If my water disappears, I'll know Jesus drank it. <laughs> Turn it to wine. <laughs> Mark chapter 16, verses 14 through 20. Jesus has risen from the dead. He's getting ready to ascend it to heaven. It says, Afterward he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table, and he reproached them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world to preach the gospel to all creation. And he who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then, when the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by the signs that followed. All right, so he tells them in verse 15 to go out and preach the gospel. What gospel were they supposed to preach? The one they didn't believe. The one they didn't believe. It tells you right there, what does it say in verse, go back to verse 14. It says right there that he, he pretty much rebuked them. Right? He reproached them for their unbelief. Well, what were they not believing? They weren't believing that he was risen from the dead. But that was the gospel they were supposed to go preach. Why didn't they believe it? They were hard-hearted. They had eyes that didn't see and ears that didn't hear. And then he goes on to say in verse uh, 16... 17, these signs will accompany those as they believe. Guys, you got a hard heart. You didn't believe anything that they told you about me. And now here I am standing before you. So now you need to go preach what you didn't believe. And when you get to where you start believing, these signs will follow you. And it says that they went out 
believing. They went out believing. Believing what? Well, they believed, number one, that Jesus was risen, but they also had to believe that they could cast out demons. They also had to believe they could speak with new tongues. They also believed that if they drank any deadly poison, it shall not hurt them. They also had to believe that if they laid hands on the sick, they would recover. Because faith is the only way or the only avenue God has to work through our life. So as they would go, as they went, they went believing. Amen. So here they did not believe. They were in unbelief. But then he told them to go preach the gospel. You need to start believing this. And then it says that they went out believing and they preached what they did not believe. But now they believe and they went out and preached it everywhere. And the Lord confirmed the word with signs following. Because the will of God will never lead you where the grace of God cannot work with you. The Lord worked with them, not for them, but he worked with them, with their believing and their action and confirmed the word with signs that followed. They didn't do the signs. The Lord did the sign. They did the believing. They did the preaching and they did the laying on of hands and they did the casting out demons. But the Lord worked with them. Heaven stood behind them. The will of God will not lead you where the grace of God cannot work with you. And the will of God will not lead you where the, where the grace of God cannot protect you. But you have to do what? Believe. You know, you could tithe till you're totally broke. Never believing that the windows of heaven will be open for you. You can be a tither and have everything in your life be destroyed because you don't believe that God will rebuke the devourer for you. It's all about believing. Faith on the stage. When Peter and John were before the religious leaders, the Holy Spirit gave them words to speak to them. Remember? And they got released. Peter got delivered out of prison, and he was in prison for preaching Jesus. Paul was raised from the dead when he was left for dead, when he was preaching. The apostle John outlived the Isle of Patmos and went back home and retired. Hard times do not negate the presence of God, the will of God, or the purpose of God. The hard times come because they want to stop the will of God, the purpose of God, and the presence of God. Because all you have to do is get into the face of hard times and go, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. This is just so tough. And there goes the presence of God. And then you walk away from the will of God, and then you don't step into the purposes of God because you've let that thing stop you. And you might have let it stop you because it wasn't really what you wanted anyway. It wasn't on your agenda of what you wanted. But it was on God's agenda. Are you with me? We have God-given authority to stand against the resistance and bring opposition to an end. And after 42 years of preaching faith, I'd say that many people don't do that. Many people that even know about authority and dominion don't do it. And yet we've been given authority. But yet you don't hear it coming out of people's mouth. You'll hear people say things like, well, I have this issue, I have this problem, blah, 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 and what I'm going to do, and but you don't hear the word. You don't hear it. Because it's not forefront in our life. Unless it's something we want. We have to take our place in faith. And I'm not talking about being born again. I'm talking about taking your place in faith. You've entered into the kingdom and now you have to take your place living by faith. According to what was spoken and the Lord will confirm his word. Amen. 
Hard times do not negate the presence of God, the will of God, or the purposes of God. You know, think back just a few years ago, COVID. COVID. What a great opportunity for the church to reap a harvest. Great opportunity. Did it happen? No, because the church ran away with the world. They hid under the covers with the world. Acting just like the world. The church was in hiding. And yet there's a great opportunity. One of the greatest and most deadliest and most contagious diseases you could ever have is leprosy. And Jesus touched them and said, be healed. He didn't say, let me put my mask on first. You know, trying to feed the 5,000 today. Is that gluten-free bread? How many calories are in that? And how much mercury is in those fish? You know, with the way science is, they got you all screwed up. That you can't even accept from God what he tries to give you. COVID was a great opportunity to preach about healing and deliverance. Not to condemn. Not to tell people how dumb they are, or if you think that they were dumb. It's not about that. It's about preaching the gospel. Deliverance and healing, which would have been the dinner bell for salvation, and many could have gotten saved during those days. Amen. Matthew 18, verses 2 through 6. Matthew 18, 2 through 6. It says, And he called the child to himself and set him before them. And he said, Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who stumble, who believes in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Another, another section where Jesus was talking about that he said, it is inevitable that stumbling blocks come. But woe to the man through whom the stumbling block comes. You know, that's a woe that comes from the lips of Jesus. This is not man going, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, this is Jesus himself saying, woe to you. And there's no change in that. Woe to the man to whom the stumbling block comes. Better that a heavy millstone be hung around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. You know, bottom line is, the enemy is after your children. He's after children all over this world. And where did it start? Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel was the first. Well, what about when they were looking to kill all the male child, children and they put Moses in a basket and sent them down the river? And he gets brought up in Pharaoh's house. What about when Jesus was born and the Magi came in to see Herod and he had all the children killed from two years and under? And today we see child trafficking, pedophilia, gender reassignment, abortion, all about children. Teaching it in schools. Genocide many times precedes a major move of God. Cain killed Abel, but it brought about Enoch. Moses came, was put in a basket, but that brought was for deliverance for Israel. Herod couldn't kill Jesus. Out of abortion came the Jesus movement. Now there's a major move of God in the making, and it's on the horizon and Satan is once again scared and wants to bring destruction on people. 
But it's time for the church to rise up strong with the power of God. Yes. Not the power of persuasion, but the power of healing and the power of deliverance, freedom, and the anointing of God. Hallelujah. To touch others. Amen. How do we get to the point of being stronger? How do we get to the point to where we can overcome comfort, apathy, lackadaisical attitudes? How do we overcome walking by sight and then start walking by faith? How do we overcome these things? Daniel 11, they that know their God, they that know their God will display strength and take action. They that know their God will display strength in the face of that opposition, in the face of that sickness, in the face of that lack, in the face of that depression, in the face of that anxiety. I show strength and I take action because I know my God. And that junk is not my God. And I will not obey it and I will not let it tell me what to do. I will not let sin or sickness reign in my body and tell me how to live. Amen. Amen. It will not be my master. I will not bow down to Baal. Amen. Why do you think that when I first got saved that I could beat on my steering wheel and say, Devil, you could kill my wife, you could kill my kids, and you could steal everything from me, but I will not stop serving my God. Because I knew my God. And I knew it would protect her. I knew it would protect my kids and protect everything I had. But I'm going to get in the face of that devil and tell him I will not bow to you. And at that point, it was a declaration to the devil. Who do you think you're dealing with? Go find somebody else. You're not going to be welcomed around here. The people that know their God in the face of sickness, in the face of lack, anxiety, fear, doubt, anything, they will display strength and they will take action. It's not time to assume that we know God. But we are to know God relationally and experientially. And the more we experience him, the more we grow in him. And if we do not press into experience, we will not grow. The violent take the kingdom by force. Amen. Amen. To know God is to know what he thinks and know what he does. You're in a situation. Do you know what God thinks in that situation? Do you know what God would say to do in that situation? The mountains are behind you. I'm sorry, Pharaoh's behind you. The mountains are on the side of you and the Red Sea's in front of you. What are you going to do? What does God say to do? Go forward. Stretch out your staff. Make a way. Go forward. Stop saying there is no way. You just can't see it. There's always a way. Knowing God to perceive and to be acquainted with him. To understand and have revelation in a situation. To have insight that is brought forth into your awareness. That's what that word know means. People that know their God. Let me say it again. They perceive and they're acquainted with him. They understand and have revelation from him in the situation. They have insight and it's brought forth into their awareness or into their consciousness to where they know it. It's come from them and they know it. Amen. Amen. Job 42. Verse 3. Job 42, verse 3. Job says here, Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have declared that which I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. 
In other words, he spoke what he had no revelation of. Another verse says, I have heard of you. Is that verse 4 maybe? I don't know. Maybe it's verse 4. No, that's not it. Five, there it is. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. In other words, he had head knowledge only. He heard about him. Well, I heard so-and-so say that you can believe this, so that's what I'm going to do. Well, that's not faith. I'm sorry. It's head knowledge. People's testimonies don't give you faith. They can stir you up, but they don't give you faith. Faith has to come from inside. Faith can't be taught. It has to be caught. You've got to catch it on the inside. I heard of you with the hearing of the ear. I declared things that was just too wonderful because I really didn't know. I thought I did, and that's why I said what I said. But really, I didn't know. I only said what I heard so-and-so say. So therefore, what he said was not in understanding. It's not about saying what other, you know, I, I remember this one time that Brother Hagin wrote a book. And in the book, he was dealing with a situation and the Lord told him, just go ahead and praise me. And you'll see the answer come. So he did. He started praising God and the answer came. Well, people read the book and I knew people that read the book. And they read the book and said, well, Brother Hagin just praised God. So I'm going to just praise God and my answer is going to come. There was no answer. Because it was not thus saith the Lord. It's head knowledge. Mental assent. I know it. But they didn't know it for themselves. It's not about knowing it in memorization. It's about revelation. It's that which is life-giving from you, spoken in spirit and life. God can do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to, according to, according to the power that works, the power that works, the power that works in us. Each successive revelation develops a greater understanding of his unlimited glory and grace. And that develops strength in our inner man. Every successive revelation, an unveiling, every successive unveiling and revelation will bring to us a greater understanding of his unlimited glory. It brings us into understanding more about his glory and more about his grace. Amen. Amen. Life, very simply, is about a climb to the top. And... Um, don't think it rude of me, but none of us are there. None of us are there. If you think you are, you're a legend in your own mind. None of us are at the top. The top is the place of appointment. That's the place he's calling every single one of us to. And you have the right, you have the choice, and you have the free will to stop any place you want to. Or you can consider, you can continue on to the summit. Yes. Isn't that right? Amen. It takes strength and courage standing against spiritual enemies of our salvation and enemies of those that need salvation. Deliverance, healing, soundness, wholeness. We all need that. But then there are those that they're not saved and these are the things that are enemies of their salvation. And that healing and that deliverance can be a dinner bell. God loves you. He's just delivered you. It's time to possess the kingdom and being violent against all spiritual opposition. And Jesus paid the price so that you could. Every single one of us have what it takes because we have who it takes. Amen. And they that know their God will display strength and take action. Amen. Amen, amen. Glory to God. Strength. Strength. I believe strength is something that every single one of us can always use more of because we live in a world that's continually zapping our strength. We live in a world that's continually pulling on us, tugging on us, pressuring us, and it always needs more strength to stand. 
Isn't that right? Yes, sir. Amen. So if you feel like you need strength, I just want you to lift your hands right where you're at. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Sound people, media room, live stream, podcast, right where you're at. You need strength, just lift your hands right there. Father, I just thank you, Father, that the hands lifted is a sign of faith. And it declares, like John the Baptist said, Lord, I need you. And that is what is being said today, right now, by each person with their hands raised, that they need you. So, Father, you have declared your word today. I have spoken out what you have given me to speak out this evening. And I'm asking you right now, Lord, that I have preached what you asked me to preach. And I'm asking you now to confirm the word right now and to drop on each one in here on live stream, on podcast, in the media room, in the sound booth, every single person that's within the sound of my voice for that strength right now to drop in each and every one, to fill them and to flood them and to overflow their being. Lord, that it's not just in the spirit, but it floods into their soul, Father. It floods into their very being that they can feel that strength just rising up, rising up, rising up, stronger, 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 stronger inside of each and every one. Now, Lord, we receive that. We take that to ourselves right now. And, Father, I thank you that in the days of head, ahead that that strength will be exhibited, that it will show forth in standing against those spiritual enemies, opposition, resistance that we have to deal with, the precious Lord, that it will stand against them in strength, Father, that we will be the violent one that takes and receives and takes hold of that which is ours. And we'll not let the opposition stop us. We'll not let the resistance stand in the way. We take hold, Father, of what you have given to us, the realm of the kingdom. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Lord Jesus. Bless you, Lord Jesus. We receive that right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Does anybody need prayer for anything specific this evening while we're here and the anointing of God is here? Does anybody? If you do, just come up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you, Lord. 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 We honor you and glorify you, Lord God. We honor you and glorify you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You confirm your word with signs following. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And what do you need? For for. Sickness in my chest. Okay. Congestion. Okay. And what does the word say about it? I get stripes and healed. Okay. All right. If you are healed, then you are healed. You was healed. That means you are healed. And R is always a present condition, mm -hmm. which means it's always that way. It's always that way. I'm always healed. In Jesus' name. Always. 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 Healed. Delivered. And free. Oh, gosh. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm assuming everybody else good? Not dealing with anything? No lack? No symptoms? No anxiety? No pressures? All right, I'm glad you're good. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for your goodness and for your grace. Thank you that you're more than enough, Lord. Thank you, Father, that there's not a devil that can stand against your word, but they do stand against us. But we'll stand up in your word and we'll declare your word. And we refuse to back down. We refuse to back off. We refuse to back away. We'll not take one step backwards, but we'll continue to push forward, push forward, push forward. For your word, Father, is truth. And I thank you, Father, that as in any fight, somebody's going to lose and it will not be me. I choose to be the winner. I choose to be the overcomer. I choose to be the victorious one because Jesus paid the price for me. And I will be that which he made me to be. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise your name forevermore. Praise your name forevermore. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is good all the time. Are you prepared for tomorrow? Yes. You're thinking calendar. Are you prepared for tomorrow? Yes. For what's coming up tomorrow? Yes. Amen. You can't be ready for tomorrow unless you get ready today. You'll face tomorrow with what you do today. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your direction and instruction. Thank you for touching us, for moving in our midst, for moving in our hearts. Thank you, Lord. You're more than enough in every situation. We come before you with our giving and we thank you, Lord, that as we do, we do it by faith. We do it according to your word. We declare your word, Father. You, for Jesus said that the sower sows the word. So therefore, with our giving, we sow the word. And the word spoken over our seed is what will cause the seed to grow. And Father, I thank you for that. Bless you and praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.